Welcome back to the Quiet Unset Podcast. I'm your host, Ewan Graf, and I'm joined today by Lachlan. Yeah, it's me. What's up? Hey, man. Yeah, how you doing? Yeah, not bad, bro. Not bad at all. Yourself? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a minute. It's been a minute, though, since we last released it's an episode. It's been a hot minute, man. Hot, hot minute, <laughs> eh? It's been a while. Yeah, it, ha- it has been hot here as well, yeah, actually. Same like, uh, literally and figuratively. Ooh, it's been winter here um, for me, so. See, uh, top hemisphere, we, we are on the top perspective wise you know on on, on the flat earth don't you dare call me top. a bottom don't you dare call me a bottom shut up you're calling me <laughs> jesus christ we're not even we're not even a minute in and we've already made like a, a, a sex joke this is this is what happens when the boys well i don't know a quarter of the boys are on are on the podcast and are stuck in Dude, isolation yeah, it's, it's just all gonna be it's all just gonna be bad sex jokes Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, um, about the changes that are going to happen uh, here in the podcast, uh, there are a few coming. Um, the sex jokes are not one of them. They are bound to stay, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Damn it. Um, but we do have a couple of new shows that we want to introduce. Um, this one isn't really a new one because we're going over a new release, The, um, the Five Bloods from Spike Lee. We'll get to it in a minute. Um, but we do have a few more shows that are coming. Um um, we're gonna tease you with them. Not gonna tell you too much about them. Uh, just gonna reveal the titles of them. But uh, just the upcoming episode next week is going to be one of the new shows. Um, so basically, we have five shows coming up for you. Uh, this one that we're doing right now is a new release, right? Twenty twenty um, films and and new major releases we're gonna be covering on the podcast. And we also have a segment that's called Roll That Again, where we go over an older film. More on that next week uh, for the first, first episode on that one. Then we also have Deep Dives, which we already did with Stanley Kubrick. We're continuing to do that as well. Um, we have Brackets, which um, we did one, but we never published it. <laughs> so that's going to be a new thing. And uh, Drunk Cast. So I have no idea that what sounds that's exciting be about. to you, I hope I... I have no idea what Drunk Cast is going to be about. Drunk cast? Uh, yeah, no, I have no idea. I have no idea. I we can't get a tell. bunch of drunks off the streets. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, we interview them. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's, a, that's an interesting concept, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I've never been done before in a podcast. Never, never so. been done before. Uh, <laughs> dude, uh, avant-garde stuff being done here in the podcasting space. Mm. All right. Mm. Um, but we do have some industry news that we want to just quickly uh, jump into and go over. The most exciting type of news in this uh, COVID-19 space is the delay of, of more films. And unfortunately, Tenet has been hit. A confirmed hit has been made. Tenet uh, was pushed back two weeks, so it's not too bad. But um, it was pushed back from the 16th of July to the 30th of July. I still don't know if it's actually going to be delayed uh, only in the States or if it's going to affect the rest of the world as well. Because... um from my local cinema they haven't changed it it's still the 16th so um yeah i just i have my fingers crossed that it that it just releases on the 16th which makes um mulan the first big film to hit cinemas uh, after this pandemic right after cinemas are opening up again hi quick editor's note from the future ewan uh tenant has indeed been pushed back by two weeks here in switzerland as well and from what I know in Australia, just worldwide, it has been pushed back to July 30th. Yeah. What do you think about that, Lachlan? Not really. I mean, if it's if it's going to affect me, then I maybe care. But I don't I haven't I haven't actually checked if it's going to affect here in Australia. But I mean, 
you know, like, I, I don't care. I don't really care what the first movie is going to be when I come back. It's not like I've been holding out for a movie to watch. I've, I've taken this time to go back and watch some movies. Um, so it's not like I'm, like, dying to go to the cinema. Well, I, I kind of am. I do miss having popcorn and all that and just sitting in a <laughs> yeah. sitting in a comfy seat and, you know, watching it on a big screen and in that experience. Um, but you know what? I, I actually I actually don't talking. mind. Yeah, now people – wait, what did you say? People exactly. are dying? What? No, no, people talking. Oh. <laughs> Holy fuck. I was like – and you were like, what the hell? People dying around yeah, me in the cinema. people are dying in the cinema. I was like, Jesus, what the fuck's going on in Switzerland, bro? You just guys dying like flies. Um, nah, you know, I don't really care, to be honest. I'm still going to see the film. Yeah. Eventually. Uh, I'm just expecting for them to do like a global move and pushing it back everywhere. It doesn't it doesn't really make sense for most companies to release a film, um, especially like a film of this caliber. Um, yeah, I don't know, like out of sync. Um, but yeah, uh, that was a move by Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers also is bringing us Wonder Woman 1984, that got pushed back as well uh, from August 14th to October 2nd. Which yeah, cool. I mean it's not too bad. Um, I mean, that one, that one that took I'm, a hit more. It did, yeah, a little bit, yeah. I mean, that's that's uh, what is that? Like six, yeah, six weeks. Do you reckon they're thinking they're gonna? Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So Wonder Woman, I guess, is a bit more mainstream than what Christopher Nolan's film is. But do you reckon they they moved it back more because they think that because they're gonna make more money off of it? I reckon. I reckon that's why. Well. I don't know, maybe it gives uh, Tenet a little bit more room to breathe and really <laughs> make as much money as it possibly can because it doesn't have a lot of competition. Mm. I mean, what's coming out other than that? SpongeBob, the movie? <laughs> is that going to be a competition? Um, but, I mean, it is four yeah. months between July. Well, I mean, okay, well, maybe at the end of July, so maybe like three months between that and October. So, uh, yeah, it's a long time. Yeah, it's almost two months that that like um, Tenet will have between um, that. But I I guess I don't know. Uh, it's it's going to be so interesting to see how how uh, things will turn out because <laughs> you yeah. just you just don't know. It's unprecedented. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, moving on to David Fincher's Mank. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, this is the first thing a film that David Fincher is doing since 2014, Scone Girl, I think. Yeah. Wow. And uh, is now set to release on Netflix in October. Uh, it hmm. previously didn't have a release date. It's obviously a film that is uh, kind of aiming towards the Academy-centered uh, film watchers and uh, I guess going for Academy Awards. Um, maybe I should t- uh, say what the movie is about. Uh, the the logline reads: Mank tells the story of writer Herman J. Mankiewicz, played by Gary Oldman, who famously famously wrote the script to Orson Welles's influential classic *Citizen Kane*. So, um, as a film lover, <laughs> you know, <laughs> old films and stuff that that really intrigues me. Um, Interesting. Looking forward to that, hopefully coming out on Netflix in October. And then we also got the reveal of, it's not really movie related, but it kind of is with a cinema, how cinematic uh, games are getting. But the PS5 got um, showcased, uh, but no release date yet, no price for it yet, but they did announce a Spider-Man game, um, more specifically a Miles Morales game. And uh, uh. I actually only played a bit of the PS4 
Spider-Man game, but I guess there's a sequel coming of sorts, maybe a spin-off. There's not a lot of details yet, but the trailer looked amazing. Uh, Did you I do that? know I do I do know a little bit of information on it, actually. Oh, yes. Um, Drop the deets. It's actually it's actually not in a standalone game, apparently. It's a add-on. It's like an expansion to a remastered version of it on the PS5. Interesting. So it's actually not a standalone game. It is just a, a an add-on to follow Miles' story because obviously Miles is in the Spider-Man game. Uh, yeah. It's not really a spoiler, I guess, if anyone wants not to okay. know. Um, but, yeah, no, it's actually just an add-on. It's not a standalone game, unfortunately, which, yeah, you know, I guess it, it wasn't called Spider-Man 2 Miles Morales. It was just Spider-Man Miles Morales. I guess, uh, so I think they're still working on, a on like, a proper big sequel that will come out in yeah, one or two years. Yeah, they definitely will. Um, so it's using the same game engine. They just updated for the PS5 specs, I guess. Yes. And I guess, ah, that sounds exciting. Kind of, uh, in a weird way, a reskin of sorts, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, okay, cool. And there's also been some changes made to the Best Picture nominees. Um, the changes what? now allow a fixed number of Best Picture nominees, which uh, used to be, until like 10 years ago, it was uh, limited to five then it got expanded uh, to, um, how do I explain this? Well, um, you had to have a certain percentage of votes to um, be in um, the selection for the Best Picture nominees, which uh, led to some years where we had eight, sometimes nine, sometimes seven. I think, so. yeah, we had seven um, Best Picture nominees. So now they just came out and were like, no, we're doing 10 every year, which is, I don't know, why didn't you do that before? <laughs> it just doesn't really make sense. Um, and these changes will come into effect uh, for this year's, or I guess, uh, well, I guess next year's Academy Award. Um, yeah, what do you think about that? <laughs> Good change, bad change? Uh, it doesn't really matter because at the moment, Sonic the Hedgehog is going to get best picture if no other movie is released. So I don't really care. Um, no, no, I, I think it's kind of good. No, it's like fixed at 10. Does that mean like there's going to be just the 10 best movies? Um, so it also coincides with um, with changes about inclusion. They do want to work on excluding, uh, uh, including more relevant uh, things. So I don't know if they, I, I don't know what that, that actually entails because usually whatever the Academy does is because like it feels like they're, they're a company, right? Like companies do stuff to uh, to uh, support look certain good. movements just to look good. And it feels a bit backwards. It always does. I mean, <laughs> so um, I, I don't know. I actually don't know. I'm, I'm I mean, if you didn't know that do. the Oscars were political or the Oscars, you could you could basically buy your Oscar. Um, yeah. This kind of just reveals it. If you like, obviously, look, Black Panther is a good movie, but in my opinion, it wasn't... Uh, best picture worthy um yeah i don't think there's i don't well there, there has been superhero movies which i do think are oscar worthy but again mm -hmm. you could argue whether it's really a superhero movie and that's obviously the dark knight um yeah and logan i mean i think yeah. i think a lot of people I, I mean look it's on the it's on the top uh it's number four i'm pretty sure on the uh IMDb thing? 250 imdb yeah um so it's a good movie but like yeah look it, it the you know, if they, you know, if they're trying to include foreign films, sure, because I think there's a lot of foreign films that come into it. Like, obviously, Parasite took her home this year. Um, mm. 
If they start including foreign films, yeah. But if they try to start including people based on, you know, factors that don't go into filmmaking, you know, based on skin color and sexual orientation and stuff like that, yeah. Uh, look, you don't you don't need to do that a hundred percent of the time. Look, do I think that? And it's funny that we're talking about the Five Bloods is Oscar <laughs> yeah. worthy. Uh, yeah. I'm not a hundred percent at the moment. You know, I have to see what else comes out this year. Um, but you know what? It's 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 it's, it's spoiler. It's a, it's a decent film. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, sure I'm not, I'm not going to say that. It's, I'm not going to say yep. that it's like it's so great because it's made by Spike Lee, who's you know an African American director. It's like okay, cool, sure. But I'm going to look at it, break it down from you know every every aspect of it. I'm not going to go okay, yeah, cool. It's Spike Lee. Slap it on. It's good because he's you know he's doing good for he's doing great for uh, the black community. Um, yeah. But you know what? Yeah, I. I, I mean, it, that's that's yeah. the reason why films like Green Book win and like Driving Miss Daisy in a year where Do the Right Thing comes out. It's just because yeah, that yeah. that backwards way of thinking that oh yeah, we are addressing racial problems. That's the way to do it. When uh, then they they're promoting the wrong stuff. I guess they they um looking more closely at um maybe <laughs> what they've been doing wrong. I don't know. Um. Well, another change that is going to happen with that is that they are introducing um kind of these these events where people uh where they do screenings to yeah. i guess enforce a bit more that people actually watch the films <laughs> that they vote yeah, for not just not just not just go yeah not i just saw vote, it yeah. here's my not vote. just uh, get here's, the goodies package and think like oh that's a that's a great film oh, i i know that guy he, he's great i'll vote for him you know mm, yeah yeah Fuji UN here again shortly after the recording it was announced by the academy that this year's or i guess next year's ceremony for the 93rd academy awards it will be pushed back from february 28th to april 25th 2021 but anyway that's that's all of the news for now <laughs> that did not as depressing as i as i thought they would be i mean with cinemas opening up again here in switzerland uh for the last week um it's been hopeful it's been hopeful i haven't been to the cinemas yet though uh, yeah same uh, but anyway, let's get into what we've been watching. Uh, Lachlan, what have you been watching? Uh, in terms of movies, not a lot. Because um, uh, you, you brought up um, Spider-Man, I think I need to bring up the fact that The Last of Us is releasing this week, The Last of Us Part mm-hmm. 2. Um, Naughty Dog is one of my favorite uh, video game companies. They made Uncharted series, which is my favorite series, and The Last of Us, which was probably one of the first games where I went, holy shit, video games are art. Um, I'm currently replaying it through with, uh, my girlfriend who has never seen it or played it. Um, and she's playing, well, technically she's playing it. Um, so I'm kind of just watching it, which is kind of cool because it's also very cinematic. But, um, other than that, I've actually started watching the James Bond films. I've never actually watched a lot of the old ones. I've watched a couple, but not in, you know, I've missed the odd one, like Thunderball and things like that. So Mm -hmm. I'm making my way back through that. Um, but mainly I, I rewatched Snowpiercer, the movie, cause the TV show came out and, you know, I've got opinions on that, but I'll wait for the whole thing to be out. Cause obviously they're releasing it weekly, but, uh, I've actually been yeah, watching we might do an episode of, on that, I guess, on the TV show. It'd be, like it'd be, it'd, it'd like be interesting. That. Yeah. Um, but mainly I've been watching the, the, from least to most like watched, uh, I watched a couple episodes of Kim Possible, but then I started watching Gravity Falls. Um, cause I heard it was very, very, uh, interesting. There's a lot of like 
stuff you can pick up on and it's like hinted at things and I don't know I see how that goes uh I, I'm really just banging through all the episodes of Phineas and Ferb um because it's such a meme on Reddit at the moment and I was like you know what it's not oh, yeah. a bad show and it's super catchy and the songs are super like memorable but the one thing I do want to bring up is Midnight Gospel have you seen Midnight Gospel yet man I I have not no do you know much about it no, I don't. I only know that it's on Netflix and that it's an animated. Yeah. So I don't know. So and it's, it's on Netflix, and <laughs> yeah. it's essentially an animated podcast. Oh, so really? that sounds interesting. Look, I will. I'll just give you the basics. Like they go through about. They go through. They talk about a lot of deep things, man. They talk about life, death, meditation. Um, they talk about some really heavy things, and they animate like a story around it. Um, it's, it's a very beautiful show. Uh, it's made by the guys who did Adventure Time. So you already know uh-huh. that it's going to be hardcore because those who've watched yeah. Adventure Time go, holy shit, this, 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 this TV show is dark and deep. And, um, I think, I think, uh, it's not really a spoiler per se. Um, but it definitely makes you look at an episode differently. Um, the last episode is actually a podcast with the guy's mother and they talk about death and uh, his mother passed away and they recorded this in 2013 and now that you know that when you watch the episode you might forget about it and then you remember it and you'll go holy shit that episode is dark um okay it's it's and and it's so So it's so beautiful though from these guys and I, they just have a, a i i don't know if it's a podcast, it. a podcast but it's it's basically so essentially the idea is the main character runs a thing called a space cast which is like a an, a podcast for the universe yeah. um so it's it's basically essentially recorded like a podcast and uh, uh yeah it, essentially that's how it sounds um i don't know if they recorded it like a podcast um and then cut it to uh, cut it together but it's definitely uh edited as or recorded as sounding like a podcast yeah i mean um but you, you could just, just not watch it and, it you could and listen i saw to that it. there was like actual episodes for it uh, mm. so i guess it, it was a podcast that's been going on for a long time give uh, it a watch man uh, I, everyone yeah. you should just give it a watch it's uh it's 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 really cool you've intrigued me um yeah i'm definitely gonna check that out Cool. Yeah, you man. What uh, are you watching? Go on. I mean, <laughs> I I started this the series um on YouTube where I recapped what I've been watching, and I did it for March, and then yep. uni hit me uni hit me real bad with a uh, hey, lot yo. of a um, lot of stuff that I had to finish and papers I had to write and the changes made from um from the coronavirus and all that stuff. So I I I didn't release another film. So I've stacked up like. I don't know, like 120 films that I watched and I haven't talked about yet. Um, but I'm going to save that for, the, yeah, I watched a lot. Even though I didn't have time, I still managed to make time for movies. Um, but I don't know, like 30 or so were for uni anyway. But I'm not going to talk yeah. about these today because <laughs> uh, that would be fucking boring. Um, instead, I, I just want to go over the stuff that I've been watching recently. And um, I started rewatching Death Note with my little brother. Uh, he hasn't seen it for the first time and... He was introduced to animated films, um, well, animated uh, Japanese films um, through the Studio Ghibli stuff that I watched for the first time um, back, well, back in March or I guess February. So it wasn't that long ago ago that I started watching um, animated films. And um, I watched Death Note about a year ago for the first time as well. So I've, I've, I'm kind of new to the whole anime thing. 
and uh, it's been a lot of fun rewatching it. Uh, especially uh, the, the show has like 37 episodes in total, especially the first 12 or 15 are probably like the best thing I've ever seen in anime. It's it's so well done. Um, and it's, it's it stands the test of time, even though it's uh, the show is from back uh, from um, 2006. And uh, yeah, we've all been loving it. We haven't finished it. We have four more episodes to go, which we'll watch right after uh, we do this podcast. So I'm really excited to finish it again. And um, yeah, I, I watched a lot of films for uni. But if you're interested in that, I guess uh, shout out to my my Letterboxd. Um, I haven't write, been writing reviews for a long time, but I do want to get back into it on, on Letterboxd as well. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of lot of great stuff uh, that I've been watching. Really great films. Um, but not to go into a list, I'm just going to move on to another film that I watched from 2020. Actually, a new release, The King of Staten Island with Pete Davidson. Um, uh, yeah, it's an, it's a, the new Judd Apatow film. Um, which, for me, a recurring thing is just that Judd Apatow films are usually about like 30 minutes too long. And this one isn't an exception. It's it's over two hours and like 15, 20 minutes. And it's just it's just a bit too long for for a comedy, uh, and there's there's too many things packed in back into it um, with the themes that they are going with. Um, but the relationship between Pete Davidson and uh, Marisa Tomei, with who plays his mom, uh, they're the center of of the whole like dynamic, and I and I liked it quite a bit. So check that out if you want to see. Uh, a good comedy from 2020 it's it's in my top 10 at the moment <laughs> so that says a lot because there's there's over 100 films yeah. in there from 2020 now um so yeah it, it is pretty good but it's not it's it's not like the greatest thing you ever watch uh but it's it's funny so give that a watch if you need an existential laugh a bit and maybe um feel a bit better about yourself and see pete davidson screw up uh, then i also watched seven with my little brother for uh brother's film club that we try to do weekly um and seven i know it's a family film right you want to watch that with with your uh, teenage teenage brother it's a it's a good thing to do to uh watch people be brutally murdered <laughs> in a in a um i don't know but and, and have kevin spacey in 2020 now um it's, it's a great film it's one of my all-time favorites it actually used to be well around around the age that my little brother is uh, now it's so like 14, 15. It used to be my favorite film uh, for a long time. <laughs> Maybe just mm. like because it's so edgy and so dark. Uh, it's it's a David Fincher film that if you've been sleeping on seven, dude, you should you should wake up. <laughs> you should wake up. Don't be don't be a sloth. It's a deadly sin. And watch seven. All right. Uh, yeah. And that's all for what what I've been watching. Uh, at least <laughs> what I care to talk about. Um, so that brings us to our topic of the day, which is The Five Bloods, the new Spike Lee film. Mm. Um, yeah. Lachlan, can you tell us what is what is The Five Bloods about? Uh, four African-American vets battle the forces of man and nature when they return to Vietnam, seeking the remains of their fallen squad leader and the gold fortune he helped them hide. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. See, I did not read Ooh. this logline. I thought it was... I mm. didn't know anything about the gold. I thought it was just about the squad leader. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be emotional. It's an, it still ended up being emotional. <laughs> but just not yeah. uh, what I was expecting. 
Um, it's yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Uh, should we? I don't know. Where do you want to start with this film? Because I think there's a lot of aspects we need to break down. Because obviously, there's a lot of stuff. It's a spy. Yeah. It's a it's a Spike Lee film, so yep. it's going to tackle racism. Um, mm. This man knows how to tackle racism because he made probably one of the best, uh, you know, anti-racism. Uh, well, at, racial at least commentary. I, I'd say racial, racial commentary. commentary. That's 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 yeah. that's a, mm-hmm. that's what I need to say. Uh, do yeah. the right thing. I, yeah. I think do the right thing does that so well, obviously, because it's a short film, not in terms of like, you know, time wise. It's two hours. I'm talking about mm. it's one day in one day, how quickly yeah. things can turn. Um, but back to the five bloods, you know, there's so much we can break down on this. I'm just wondering where, where should we start, man? Like, where, where, where do we start? Well, I do want to mention that uh, we're not going to we're not going to do spoilers in this talk, uh, maybe towards the end, but we'll let you know. And uh, this film is on Netflix now. If you want to check it out yourself, it's two and a half hours long, and it is R rated. Um, so and and it, it is graphic. <laughs> so oh just, yeah, no, just, we should we should warned. preference something there that yeah. when we say R rated, we're not saying like R rated from swearing or or like, nudity, like or nudity, and we're not yeah. talking about like Hollywood special effects that look really realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, Spike Lee does this really interesting thing, and I think he does it so well in Black Klansman, where right at the end he shows real-life footage, does the same thing here, but it happens throughout, and you see some really hardcore stuff. So if you have a bit of a soft stomach, um, I don't know. Yeah. Eat something first, and then mm -hmm. vomit it up, and then watch this movie. Yeah. I I watched it again with my little brother, and uh, I I regret that, (laughs) because he... he, Oh, man, your little brother is going to be scarred, man. (laughs) Is he doing all right? (laughs) I do have to get out of this household. (laughs) I'm stuck here due to Corona. I have to get out. I'm watching too many films with him. Um, But yeah, I did not expect it. I guess be warned. We're not going to spoil. I guess you you were talking about uh, certain stuff that are like spliced in throughout that don't really uh, correlate with the with our story, the story of the main protagonist per se, but it's more in the context of like historical stuff. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's just really graphic. Um, I think it's important stuff that you know about it and you know like that stuff. But but it's uh, like you don't have to see it. Uh, it's enough if you know about it. I, I I still I don't know. I'm I'm different with that. I I really like to see the hardship and like the violence to really understand it and be emotionally involved in it but i completely mm. get that not everyone is like that <laughs> they want don't want to be they don't want to be psychologically fucked like up like me <laughs> yeah 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 uh, but yeah i would say let's start off talking about uh our, our main characters um, okay. maybe introduce okay. us to all of them so we have uh, delroy lindo as paul uh he is one of the four um veterans and uh, he's he's an interesting character because like you you end up you start out not liking him at the start. Or well, I guess it was yeah. for me because he's he's uh, openly uh, racist a, a bit. Yeah, no, he's definitely he's definitely has some racial tension I'd within say himself tra- to like, hold back. He's not he's not traditionally a Republican. Traditionally Republican. He, yeah, on, Republican. in terms of an American. Yeah. And, and he voted for Trump. <laughs> that's one of his characteristics. Uh, yeah, a black man who voted for Trump. That's I think that's all we yeah. really need to say right there, man. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we have um, Otis, played by Clark Peters, who... Um, see, it's, it's really hard for talking about these characters without spoiling too much. 
Um, Would you say that he's the main character? Because I do think that he's the main character at the start and then it switches over to Paul. And then it switches yeah, he back is, to Otis. Uh, he's definitely our like, m- most um, morally grounded characters. A character yeah. who's like, yeah. who's, it, it, he's the easiest to identify with. With yeah. the themes that, that he has to, uh, and the stuff that he has to go through. Um, they're the easiest to understand for like a general audience. Um, and then... See about certain characters we can't even talk about without spoiling it. I mean, I, I don't know how to talk about David, um, Jonathan Majors, who who was in who I loved in the last Black Man in San Francisco, uh, but he's the son, uh, he's the son of Paul, and uh, he, he's involved in the story as well. Uh, I really like the dynamic between those two characters. Um, yeah, not gonna say more about that. I guess. Do you have anything to say about David? I really like. Uh, no, yeah, no. I, I mean. Uh other than the the love interest for David, uh, that's one of the things I get really mad about in this film. It's like, <laughs> why why are they falling in love? Like they are sneaking out gold and smuggling gold, and you know, yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be kind of hard to not talk about this film and not spoil it. I think it there's is. parts that we 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 will probably say that they're not really counter spoilers. Um, obviously, one of the themes of this film is PTSD. Uh, and the effects of PTSD, um, which is what Paul suffers from the hardest. Uh, they all say they do suffer it from it, but you see it the most through Paul. Um, but no, let's. Uh, I mean, look, David is his son, and I, I don't think it's really a spoiler that because it's in the trailers that David shows up in Vietnam on 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 a. Oh, is it in the trailers? Um, oh, okay, I didn't watch the trailers. Yeah, yeah no, oh, no. Then, you see, good. you see, uh, David. You see David with them. Um, in a couple of the trailers. So, look, David just shows up unexpectedly and, you know, it starts mm-hmm. off like, why the hell are you here? Um, yep. It starts off negatively and starts to, you know, starts to positive to positively impact his relationship with his father, which has been a bit on edge. So, yeah, that, that's just the relationship between them. Exactly. And his love interest that we can get is Hedy. <laughs> uh, and uh, she's... His love interest is Eddie? Uh, he's not Eddie. <laughs> Eddie. Oh, you said Eddie. I pronounced it in a French (laughs) way. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) You would say, sorry, in in Australian English, Hedy. Yeah, yeah, you gotta really pronounce that H, bro. You gotta really pronounce that H. Eddie. Uh, You don't really pronounce it, I guess. Uh, But yeah, played by (laughs) Melanie Dieri. (laughs) So much flack from from French viewers. That's just totally off. Just stop pretending that you can actually speak French, okay? But yeah, uh, it's it's her and uh, um, a small team with uh, Seppo, which is um, another guy who was in Black Klansman. He played uh, one of the like uh, KKK members that was pressuring um, the suspicious KKK member. He was he was a suspicious one. Uh, He really good in 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 that. I I I hated him in this, but he's he's a part of. um, what are they called? I forgot the name. They, uh, Lamb. Oh, Lamb. Lamb. Yeah. Life against. Uh, what love is it? Against Life against. Love. Love against. Love against m- m- mines. <laughs> mines bombs? and bombs. Mines, mines and, bombs. and bombs. See that's, yeah, that's it. it. Yeah. Love against and mines the, and bombs. I had a good laugh at that. I had a good laugh. <laughs> lamb at that. was funny. There's such an innocent lamb. It is in this like you know when like violence. your kids and you tr- and you try to figure out like like anagrams for shit and you yeah. try to figure out like oh what does this stand for and you're like oh big booty blah 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 and i was like love against mines and bombs they just got around the writing table and was like first idea that's it that's it no one else gets to make up another idea and then someone <laughs> went 
love against mines and bombs and they went done liam yeah all you gotta know is milf and then you're fine <laughs> no i guess <Jesus>. ptsd <laughs> no ptsd is is another uh big one to know for anyone who doesn't know that's post-traumatic stress disorder yeah but anyway um yeah relationship between the characters i i we already touched on Paul and David's uh, father-son relationship. That was nice, but also the whole dynamic of the of the group, which uh, is uh, also there's two more Melvin and Eddie, but they don't really have that much to. Uh, Other they than don't play Melvin, that big a part in that story. Melvin probably he kind of gets a bit. He's kind of like the center-headed. Like he really tries to play the both sides card, where. Mm. I don't know. Eddie Eddie has a very lackluster story in my opinion. Um he he doesn't really have a story until like halfway through and they try to cram it all in and then it doesn't really go anywhere else and Yeah. Um yeah, without spoiling it, you know, it, 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 he doesn't really have that much of a story arc, which kind of sucks. Um but mm-hmm. I mean, you had to kind of focus. You can't really focus on four people uh in two and a half hours and get a lot of depth no, in it. No, no. Um, and I, uh, well, I s- touching on like who it focuses on, I, I, I was expecting a little bit more of Chadwick Boseman in this. Uh, and he plays the, the like uh, dead uh, comrade, not my comrade, oh my God, commies. <laughs> Wait, what do you call, is it a comrade in... in uh, comrade in, like, is Russian. Is it um, Russian? Yeah, is it just Russian, Russian in the military? <laughs> The the <laughs> ultimate no 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 the ultimate like compliment is a drunk Russian calling you a comrade, like, <laughs> um no no yeah Chadwick Boseman's he plays um what do they call him Storm and Norman I think Storm and Norman yeah he's yeah, one of the yeah. five bloods uh, they call themselves yeah. the five bloods they call well they call themselves bloods and he he's the one who lost blood back in Vietnam and remained yeah, remained there uh, he's dead but yeah. He, he he's is dead. dead. He's dead. He died, guys. <laughs> like in Sorry. Black Panther, but he's actually dead. He's not coming back. Yeah, he's like, dude, There's he no lost a lot dead. of weight for this role. Did you see how much weight he lost for this role? For this one? Yeah, dude, he lost a lot of weight. Like, he is so skinny. Really? I didn't notice it yeah. that much because yeah, he always well, has, like, armor, uh, not armor on, but, like, he has something on that kind of hides it. Well, when didn't they find his remains, did you not see how skinny he was? <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, but no, he, yeah, he actually got really skinny for this role. But like, yeah, I thought I would lead on with that. You know who? You know who else is in this? Uh, Jean Reno. Who's that? This Roach. Jean Reno. Oh, Jean Reno. Yeah, this Roach. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a great actor. Dude, he's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, he's got a sp- he's got a place in my heart forever. Um. So, do you want to dive into the relationship? The the four the, well, the I guess the five bloods, but the four bloods, I guess. Yeah, let's do that. Um, I wanna I wanna talk about their them at the start and them at the end. I guess. Well, I guess them halfway through. I think we should talk about. So at the mm-hmm. start, I guess they, you know, they're I I don't think they've seen each other for a while. You know that this is them finally catching up after I don't know how many so years. Um, you know, you 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 know you find out that Paul's political views quite early and that makes him stand off from the rest of the group yeah um 
And I don't know why, but they, they you know, well, I understand that they, they're like their mates and they don't really care about the political views. But, you know, when, when he's like, yeah, I, of course I voted for Trump. And they're all like, dude, what the? Like, they're just like, so, like, so confused on why the fuck he voted for Trump when they all know what he stands for. Um, but then, you know, they, he makes his views really clear. Um, what did you, like, how, why, why do you think they went with that, making him, I guess, the... Well, I guess I've got to do with his PTSD, but I want to take your, it's like, I, cause I don't know why they made it so yeah, like why? Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about that? I think it was a little bit like t- too in your face, <laughs> that whole approach. Yeah, to, no, it was like him very being the, 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 the like unlikable guy that you grow to understand more, uh, mm. as the movie, movie goes on. Um, that was a bit too much for me um and and i did want to drop some background information on that oh yeah here it is uh so initially this was a a film that wasn't written by um spike lee it was written by danny belson and uh, paul yeah um, i saw that paul uh, demio and it it was about uh, four aging um it was basically they were they were white instead of black and then spike lee took over and uh he (laughs) rewrote the story to make them black and i Mm. think throughout the whole film and through the writing i still feel that there's a more conventional movie in there and Mm. i think those are the weaker aspects of the story uh because like how weird spike lee is is willing to get is usually um what what i like about his films um and i feel like there's a conventional story with like action bits and pieces spliced in there and then you got the spike lee-ness sprinkled on top of it and uh, it clashes a bit. The inner auteur, that's what it, that's what I reckon it is. Because obviously he's a he's a very stylized person, so he's a very much like an auteur. Um, mm. and you know what? I, I, I kind of consider him probably one of my favorites. Uh, you know, I, I really love his monologues, like Spike Lee. You know, the, like the iconic Spike Lee monologue where they're like talking directly in the camera and it's, it's yeah. almost like poetry running off... Uh, like coming out of the actor's mouth and it's done so well um not only that's more you know that's that's both performance size uh wise but also you know the director's working them with it and obviously because it's spike lee's thing you know i i also like it when um that that one shot you know that you know that iconic spike lee shot where they're on the dolly and they're all moving forward and the background is also moving kind of like a um vertigo effect but except uh, without the zoom yeah in black Landsman. Yeah, I, I always yeah. like looking out for that because he does it in mm. a lot of his other films. I always well, love looking out yeah. for that one shot. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's Apocalypse Now, but with more humor mm-hmm. and Spike Lee style. Yeah, that that, that, that yeah. Because I feel there was a, there was a lot of inspiration from Apocalypse Now in this film. I mean, the the bar that they start out on is literally literally called Apocalypse Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that I don't know. I'm I'm still torn on on um, how much I actually like the film or not. I, I guess I guess. Uh, Same. One Same. big critique that I have, maybe moving us on to to a little bit of another topic, is uh, is the score. And I've seen a lot of people right. praise the score a lot, but I, I really didn't like it. I think it, it was, it was um, 
trying too hard to force emotion out of me when it wasn't needed because uh, the performances were great. Probably the highlight yeah. of the whole thing were the performances. And it feels cheap uh, when it is like really sad music. <laughs> I don't know. Just like, I know what I'm supposed to feel. You're conveying it. You're a good filmmaker. Yeah. You don't need yeah. uh, this like Avengers type of music right here. Uh, I don't really have much to say about the score uh, for two reasons. One, when I think of it, I I can't really remember it. So it's not that mm. memorable. But again, at the same time, uh, I know what you're talking about, but I'm thinking more of, uh, I guess, the music that they 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 choose to play, um, you know, with the Marvin Gaye and stuff like that. Mm. Um, you know, you know, I, I, yeah, I guess now that I think of it, it's not that impressive. No, well, I, I guess <laughs> with the current uh, landscape of movies, it does have a chance to be nominated uh, for like for like stuff. But I don't know. That's that's yeah. not what I was. Um, what I care about. It, it's just that it, I don't know. It was too present in a way. Um, and okay. uh, the moment, the the moments that I felt were the strongest uh, throughout the film were the ones where there was no score. Um, but yeah, I I mean it's it's great at build, building tension, not just not uh, music wise, but just I don't I don't know why Spike Lee is so good at building uh building tensions, but it's it's so good throughout like all of his films. He he's really he has really mastered <laughs> how to build tension in a film. Uh, he he did mm. it already in Do the Right Thing. He he does it again in Black Landsman. I'm sure he does the Malcolm X, which I I haven't still haven't seen that film. Um, yeah. I just I liked it. I think Spike Lee might be one of my favorite filmmakers that I haven't seen many movies of. <laughs> he absolutely kills it in Old Boy. <laughs> <laughs> really? Sorry, everyone, don't watch Old Boy. Uh, well, do watch Old Boy, but the one from two thousand three. I think it's yeah, yeah. Watch it from two thousand three. Don't watch, watch, watch the one in two thousand thirteen. Yep. <laughs> I'm pretty sure even Spike Lee doesn't like it. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, Poor guy. But yeah. I mean, uh, what's typical for like Spike Lee thing um, films is that there's a lot of stuff, a lot of themes in the movie. Uh, yeah, it's it's done best in Do the Right Thing because I think those um, those themes are balanced well enough. And uh, what brings the movie a bit down for me, uh, the Five Bloods, that is, is with the amount of themes that we get and we don't get to focus on all of them that much. And it feels a bit overcrowded, even though it's a two and a half hour movie. So I um, really thought this film was going to tackle racism, but it yeah. really doesn't. I mean, it, it, it tackles. So this is how I see it. I see it as, as so you know how, because we've talked about this in the past, Stanley Kubrick's view on war. He's very anti-war, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. he made, obviously, uh, Dr. Strangelove, which is obviously anti cold war with nuclear bombs he made mm. uh full metal jacket anti-vietnam war but that was you know what was that 78 i think so you know we're talking a couple yeah. years after it finished or i think a couple years after it finished um and the same thing with obviously uh uh oh no it's gone from my head um ah oh, shit <laughs> sorry <laughs> i can't help you his his is uh, uh, the one that um, yeah, so I've spaced out too. Why can't I think of it? Uh, I've got the guys in my head. 
the, the, the French army on Ant Hill, marching to Ant Hill. Ah, um, Jesus. Path of, Paths of Glory. Paths of Glory. Jesus Christ, yeah. what the fuck is wrong with me? Um, I don't know why I just couldn't think of Paths of Glory. I, I, I don't know what I was thinking of. Um, I spaced out where you were talking, so I, I, <laughs> I didn't hear the thanks, attitude man. that you Thanks mentioned. for making this podcast a two-sided fucking conversation, bro. <laughs> That's all I really want right now, eh? No, but like, um, we know that Kubrick's anti-war, right? Uh, yeah. This one is an anti-war, anti-Vietnam war film made in 2020. That's how I see this film. I think that this film, it, 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 it talks a lot about PTSD, but it, and it talks a lot about, you know, uh, the injustices made on the black community in within the US during Vietnam War. But overall, yeah. all the themes add up to this war was bad. This particular war, Vietnam, was bad. Yes, it was. We know it was. Thank you for reminding us that it was in 2020. Interesting. Interesting that, that you took that away from it because I I thought that um, I I didn't think that it was focusing that much on like the Vietnam War was bad. It it was more focused on the effect that it had on 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 like the group or like black soldiers. Soldiers. It really comments on that a lot. That like they yeah. don't have to. They 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 can't even fight for themselves at home at the moment which is a way more important fight than this i guess it's anti- anti-vietnam in the pointlessness of fighting in vietnam for for the yeah, US. it's it's more important for them uh at a personal level um yeah they got thrown into vietnam without without really a choice i mean mm-hmm. they, and then they, in 96 were, martin luther king dies while they are still in like in vietnam yeah, no, that that there is, you know, and you know, Martin Luther King shot by a, a white man, that that even throws more, you know, hate, you know, like they they're willing to take up arms against the U.S. That's not really a spoiler for it, but the, there's a, there's a point where they they throw back to when Martin Luther King was killed in the film, mm-hmm. and Paul spoilers, before, Martin think, Luther think, King died. Yeah, sorry, yeah, spoilers, guys. Um. But Paul is the first one who wants to take up arms. And he's like, oh, we should, you know, why are we fighting here? We should really be fighting back home. Um, and it's not until uh, Stormin Norman, Ayo, buses like Kool-Aid man's down his uh, his his thoughts um, and goes, nah, bro, we just need to cool off, finish this off, get back home and fight for our rights. Because Stormin Norman was uh, the, we say that. Um, the ideal. Otis was the, we say that Otis and Melvin were the two guys who kind of like are the level-headed ones, but Storm and Norman was the one who brought them all together and really made them. He was their Martin Luther King. He was their Malcolm X. I think that's what they say in the film as well. They were like, he was our Mm -hmm. Martin Luther King. Um, So yeah, no, like it's, it's, I understand like they do focus a lot on it, on, on the black injustices. Uh, but I think they also bring up a lot of the injustices made on the Vietnam, Vietnamese people. Um, they do, yeah. And I think that was very... I wouldn't say it's equal because obviously they really do focus on uh, black rights within the US, but I, I, you know, they, talk, they talk about how... Well, they, they argue with Vietnamese people. They're like, oh, no, you know, we were fighting for rights. And then they're like, but my mother and father died. Uh, you know, they wiped that entire... You guys wiped that entire yeah. villages under our command. And it's like... You, 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 as a watcher, you go, but that was their command. But it's like, but you know, that's that. Yeah, that's they fucked did up. Do that in that's, the that's end. Still that's still wrong up. stuff. Yeah, and I um, think that's interesting because, like, in the conversation between uh, when David meets uh, Eddie and and Seppo comes in and is like basically shit talking the U.S. because they usually lack perspective 
I think including yeah. the Vietnamese side and understanding that it's that like the US did very much a very a lot of things wrong in Vietnam uh, like things. everyone yeah. did did things wrong it's it's fucking war what do you expect it, it, and then the choices that they made uh, obviously like really bad choices that you can make even in war um yeah and i think he he with that he acknowledges that he is not <laughs> a stupid american in air quotes that uh, yeah, isn't aware american. about the like the whole surroundings and that like only only this issue uh, uh that is like concerning his ethnic group and and like the u.s black um americans is affected by uh by that stuff but it's just like i don't know he focuses on that but it's also hey we're aware <laughs> we fucked up vietnamese people too <laughs> they have ptsd yeah. and shit like that as well they, they lost yeah. their parents and grandparents uh um but uh, yeah i guess it comes it comes back to vietnam war is bad you know, war is bad. It was bad. Yeah. Still will be bad. Effects will be seen today, and that's what. And that's another theme that they that obviously PTSD is uh, one of the bigger themes as well. Um, mm-hmm. The effects of it today, and that's obviously like I okay. So I think one of my favorite moments was also pre- one of the pretty saddest. This was one of the sadder ones. I mean, it wasn't super mm-hmm. sad, but it's when that. Uh, so uh, when they first arrive in Vietnam, they're at a bar, and this kid walks in with one leg, uh, asking mm-hmm. for some money. Um, and yeah. they all kind of reject it. And then one of them, I think it's Otis who puts it in because Otis is the sweetheart, puts some money in. Um, anyway, uh, I know, and Paul was obviously a bit uh, iffy because he is a bit uh, off-put by the Vietnamese people. Um, but he's the, he's the one who suffers the most from PTSD. Um, and he's often the one who's first on the ground if he, you know, he's a stick breaking. But anyway, as they a- exit the bar, the firecrackers are thrown on the floor and they all drop. They all immediately drop. And I went, ah, that's pretty funny. And I went, oh, that's actually pretty sad because they're still thinking they're in a war and they drop to the floor as soon as they heard firecrackers. Um, yeah. But obviously it's, it's, it's made as a uh, humorous moment because obviously it cuts to the kid laughing and pointing and jumping on one foot. And I'm like, ah, it's kind of funny. Um, I mean, he used the money to scare them, which is kind of yeah. Well, you, did up, you reckon, but it's also is that like, is that what you reckon he did? You reckon he bought it with bought the firecrackers and fucked around I with them? I think he did. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I mean, I think he gave him. I think he gave him quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not like one dollar. He gave him like ten or like fifty or something like that. Mm. Um. But yeah, yeah, that was an interesting moment. Um. All right. What do you think about the the the, the two timelines and like the editing and all that? Did you learn? Ah, uh, I I uh, look. I love. I personally, I love using different aspect ratios within my films. Mm. Like personally, when I when I make a movie, you know that I I, I, yeah. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it when Wes Anderson does it because he does it in a way where it's obviously different aspects of time, and it's not really a super obvious change. Um, it just comes naturally for some reason. But in this, it, it felt very forced. Um, mm-hmm. because it the transitions feel were very mainstream, and the way that it's used. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they obviously do uh, a, a four by three aspect ratio for yeah. um, the Vietnam throwback stuff, and there's also a bit of Super Eight because I don't know why one of them is carrying a Super Eight camera. Like, did you notice that, that one of them was carrying a Super Eight camera? And it you mean, like in, in, the like, oh, in the in current timeline? In the current timeline. Yeah, uh, I, yeah think was, holding, I think it was. I think it was. It was Mel. Uh, was it Eddie? Uh, I think it was Eddie because he was the one it, with the camera. 
and he has a Super 8 camera. Yeah. And I was like, why the fuck do you have a Super 8 camera? Yeah, it's It's weird. 2020 yeah. or 2019 or whatever it was like shot and meant to be. And I was like, okay, whatever. Um, but no, you know, the, the cinematic aspect ratios for now was, was all right. But yeah, no, it, when they transition between them, it does feel a little bit forced. I wish they kind mm. of just, you know, maybe they just dip to black instead of, cut to the next thing in the old aspect ratio and then squeeze it down because it because they obviously shot it in widescreen mm. or shot it in a wider aspect ratio and just, and just cutting it down and then at one point it goes full screen so maybe they shot it full screen out yeah. of the black bars i don't yeah, know it's it just weird. goes up all the way yeah i personally that, thought it, it felt a bit forced um, it kind of brings you out of the out of the film a little bit that's all yeah i mean the the transitions were smooth and and, and mostly smooth uh they they try to go for that like immediate cut not cut to black but like cutting yeah, in yeah. frame sometimes and they usually like i watched it i watched it on uh, my tv and i recently got uh 5.5.1 surround sound so nice <laughs> it's a nice little flex right there but basically i have a speaker right next to my left ear and they they play these like sound bites, these these like um, audio effects. Usually, when they cut, just like emphasize on it and to like to brush it over. And it was usually like so loud. There's there's like one one time where like uh, someone on a uh, on a on like a bike uh, on a motorcycle just crosses, and it's really fucking loud. And it goes from one side yeah. to the other, <laughs> so, like the same way that it transitions to. I found that kind of yeah. funny. It's kind of gimmicky in a way, um, but. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I no, mean, again, he does it yeah, in Black Klansman as well, but I, I think, yeah. I think all in all, I think you you touched on that as well. Black Klansman is for you the, the better film, right? Okay, yeah. Black Klansman, look, I actually said this today to a co-worker. I said, look, because I was talking about the film, I said, look, The Five Bloods is great, but I mean, if, if, if you could turn back time, make The Five Bloods, and then right now release Black Klansman in this current period, because obviously we have uh, riots over... Uh, George Floyd, which is uh, something we probably shouldn't get into in a podcast like this, but um, yeah, Black Klansman right now, yeah. yeah, we're not informed enough to talk about it, especially because mm. we're coming from very different countries. Um, yeah. The story behind Black Klansman and especially with Spike Lee's uh, injection of real life footage, especially right at the end of Black Klansman, um, really doubles down on the message. Um, Black Klansman to me is a better film. I actually think it's probably one of Spike Lee's best, especially more recently. Um, mm. no, but no, but yeah, I, I think, yeah. I think Black Klansman is probably the better film out of the two. Not that I'm mm-hmm. saying that this is a bad film. The Five Bloods is a good film. I just don't think it's, uh, I think that there's a lot of themes that could have been compacted down. I think it's a bit messy at times and I think it's a, I think they get a bit confused on what message they want to send at times. Um, yeah, I, I, I still think it's a bit of a messy film where I do think Black Klansman mm. is a very neat and... I mean, if you're going to change your main characters from white to black and I don't know how much he rewrote, but uh, if you like Black Klansman is written from the perspective of a black man because obviously it's a Mm. real life story and it has a bit of uh, Hollywoodness to it, Um, all the themes are there. Like it's written for by it's written well it was a black man and the themes are already there. If you write a story with five white people, you're not going to have the same injustices made by them. But Spike yeah. Lee does his Spike Lee does his damn best, and, and honestly, mm-hmm. it, it may be a bit messy, but it's still enjoyable. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, 
I like that. I, there's one more thing I do want to talk about, uh, which is the illustration of, of love and um, how he's... I, I kind of uh, worded it that way that it's like doubling down on love and, and, and yeah. physical connection. Because uh, yeah. I noticed because we, we rewatched a Do The Right Thing for uh, a podcast uh, that is coming up next week for you guys, um, that there's one scene where someone hugs, some, hugs someone and then it just... Uh, it's a dolly in of like someone hugging someone and then it, it cuts, uh, cuts back and then, then he does it again same thing uh, yeah, here and again. every yeah, time someone yeah. hugs someone else you're doubling down on that hug you're doubling down on, on yeah. love which I think is a really strong statement towards uh, showing love to the ones that, that you that, that you are closest with and uh, mm. these people especially Paul who's not able to do that to show that love towards uh, his son his son right uh, yeah, which I found was a really powerful message, uh, and and I like that. I I I'd love for them to focus a bit more on Paul on Paul and David because I think that was the strongest part for me of the film. Yeah, but yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> Not the stupid I, I, love I, relationship. I, I <laughs> no, I really I really do like. Again, it's a it's a nice spikely kind of thing to just yeah. have a hug and then cut a little bit closer and experience that one more time. And and then saying doubling down on love is a good way of of, of expressing it. Um, no, yeah, I think I think again, cinematography of this film was really great, and I, that's one of the aspects. Mm. And obviously, I, I think it does take a lot of inspiration from other war films on the way they look. Um, but definitely has that Spike Lee sprinkleness on it top. Yeah. So I guess our closing thoughts, overall thoughts. Um, I'd say I'd recommend the movie, uh, especially for a twenty twenty release. To anyone who who hasn't eaten <laughs> just before they watch <laughs> it, I, I'd recommend it. And uh, especially in this current climate, it, it's crazy how like Black Klansman. He he shot it before, um, obviously shot it before that whole Charlottesville thing happened with the uh, white supremacists, and he included that at, at the end and kind of as as a tag thing. But, but he didn't do it because of that, right? It happened, and then he he managed to incorporate that in the film. And it's crazy that that stuff is happen happening as frequently as um spike lee is making like movies about this yeah. <laughs> it's like a big yeah. thing again uh it, it's, it's crazy that uh since do the right thing um this is still as relevant as it was uh, as it was in in the 90s uh or like in the late 80s it's crazy to me um so again we're not gonna <laughs> dwell into that topic uh I guess we can say obviously, obviously we're recording. Uh, we we are supporting BLM, um, and 100%. in spirit of that, we do have a couple of recommendations that you can watch. There's actually a lot of stuff that is um, been made for free on a lot of services, uh, streaming services. Especially Fandango has heaps of films um, and and showcasing their BLM support that are made for free, uh, including last year's Just Mercy. Or I think this year's Just Mercy, great film. Um, Selma, and then there's Malcolm X. Um, I think, yeah, uh, even Netflix has some movies uh, for free on their on their YouTube account, like Thirteenth and Strong Island, but they're also on Netflix. And then I would recommend the Eva DuVernay uh, miniseries When They See Us. Uh, she's the director behind Thirteenth um, as well, which is it, it's been popping off on Netflix like crazy. Uh, it's a great documentary, and one of my favorites, If Beale Street Could Talk. So those are my recommendations. If you wanna, if you wanna show your support and, and watch something um, centering about uh, centering about uh, the black voices and black lives, 
it's it's hard to talk about this and i it is a it is a hard conversation to have but i think the first step most people can take is breaking that barrier and making this not a hard conversation to have yeah um watch these movies you know get informed your your own way you know this isn't related to movies but you know everything that's happened with the world 2020 was going to be a throwaway year but no it's not this is a big year for injustices and you know spike lee has been making movies since 89 and he's still making movies in 2020 about the same damn thing he's not going to stop fighting and i think it's time that we all start fighting to make this place a little bit better um and if you want to do that watch a couple of these movies you know you can't spend all your time 24 7 you know rioting or you know uh, (laughs) protesting protest protest yeah, we had a protest here in, in Zurich as well, which ended up um, like uh, w- with some riots as well. But it was just like an outside group that came in. Yeah, and, and, don't uh, riot. Like, I shouldn't say riot. Don't riot. I definitely yeah, take that back. Don't riot. Protest. Peacefully protest. Yeah. And, you know, in your downtime and you haven't seen these films, these are some great films. So yeah, Great films, yeah. You know what? Uh, yeah. I, I, I yeah. don't want this podcast to end on a, on a, on a low note. I think what a good i like i think a good way to end this podcast and a good way to set up our next podcast but also with a good message is just do the right thing do the right thing yeah do the right thing <laughs> disclaimer don't throw Bye. don't throw garbage cans here's a disclaimer um don't be racist disclaimer if you're a racist don't listen to our podcast (laughs) yeah don't don't insert don't so yeah fuck off we don't want you here we don't we don't um, want you here yeah we'll be back next week follow our socials the link below and uh yeah we'll see you we'll see you next time with do the right thing i (laughs) I don't know how to cut this podcast but (laughs) neither do i bye